Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Baram U podcast. I'm your host as always, Ian, and today we have a great episode on a man that everyone knows, Walt Disney. Um, and obviously I'm a conspiracy show, I look into this stuff, so it's not all going to be all happiness and rose gardens and things. There is some dark, deep stuff that I've uncovered. Uh, I'll put that across to you today, see what you think, and uh, if you feel that I've missed anything out, or I'm completely wrong on it, then please feel free to message out. Uh, my last episode was on Isaac Cappy, which got removed from YouTube, and uh, I did stick up a 10-minute little episode to explain why it got taken down due to cyberbullying. So I stuck up a little 10-minute video telling everyone that my... my video version is still there on BitChute and the audio versions are all still untouched on Spotify, Anchor, everywhere else that you normally find them. It is just YouTube that has taken the uh, the podcast down. I knew that would come, um, fully expecting that maybe this one will also not stand a chance because I hear that anything to do with Disney is quickly removed because of copyrights and things. I will be showing you guys images throughout the podcast and um, so maybe watching is is better i know i i like to watch people's episodes when they when they use videos and and visuals uh, to to go along with our story so guys uh back to the yeah the isaac copy i had a couple of comments uh one of my mates reached out and said that i need to brush up on my reading skills which i know i do it's a sore point of mine that i'm not a reader i haven't read a book since leaving school and I have been buying books along the way that I will get to at some point. But today, I'll hopefully, I'll do a, a bit of a better job. There is a lot of reading to do on Walt Disney because I'm here to uncover the darker stuff that's hidden, hidden in a, in a, in a kind of a way. Um, so I've just read out his life according to the mainstream and then I'll dissect it in my own words and uh, using the research that I've found. So, also, I, I had a guest appearance on a podcast that I've mentioned here before. I think it was on the Titanic episode I'd done. Great couple of guys, Matt and Lee from the Whatcast podcast. They reached out to me and asked if I'd like to come on as a guest to discuss uh, the Boston bombing on false flags. And I uh, really enjoyed myself. It's funny because literally half an hour ago, I got the notification on my phone saying that they'd just uploaded it. So... I know I've been gone for a couple of weeks since the Isaac copy was done and two two episodes come along at once so you'll have plenty to sink your teeth into guys and uh, without further ado, ado, here is The Life of Walt Disney.
Disney, in full, Walter Elias Disney, born December 5th, 1901 in Chicago, Illinois, US, died December 15, 1966, Los Angeles, California. American motion picture and television producer and showman, famous as a pioneer of animated cartoon films and as the creator of such cartoon characters as Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. He also planned and built Disneyland, a huge amusement park that opened near Los Angeles in 1955. And before his death, he had begun building a second such park, Walt Disney World, near Orlando, Florida. The Disney company he founded has become one of the world's largest entertainment conglomerates. His early life. Walter Elias Disney was the fourth son of Elias Disney, a carpenter, farmer and builder contractor, and his wife Flora Call, a public school teacher. When Walt was little, more than an infant, the family moved to a farm near Marceline, Missouri, a typical small Midwestern town which is said to have furnished the inspiration and model for the main street of Disneyland. There Walt began his schooling and first showed a taste and aptitude for drawing and painting with crayons and watercolours. His restless father soon abandoned his efforts at farming and moved the family to Kansas City, Missouri, where he bought a morning newspaper route and compelled his young sons to assist him in delivering papers. Walt later said that many of his, the habits and compulsions of his adult life stemmed from the disciplines and discomforts of helping his father with the paper route. In Kansas City, the young Walt began to study cartooning with a correspondence school and later took classes at the Kansas City Art Institute of School of Design. In 1917, the Disneys moved back to Chicago and Walt entered McKinley High School, where he took photographs, made drawings from school paper and studied cartooning on the side for he was hopeful of eventually achieving a job as a newspaper cartoonist. His progress was interrupted by World War I, in which he participated as an ambulance driver for the American Red Cross in France and Germany. And I believe he actually lied about his age to get in and uh, was found out, so he had to settle for this, you know, driving the American Red Cross ambulance. Returning to Kansas City in 1919, he found occasional employment as a draftsman and inker in commercial art studios where he met UB Iwerks. I'm unsure if it's UB or UB, but I'm going to say UB, sounds a bit better. A young artist whose talents contributed greatly to Walt's early success. So Walt in UB's first animated cartoons. Dissatisfied with their progress, Disney and Iwerks started a small studio of their own in 1922 and acquired a second-hand movie camera with which they made one and two-minute animated advertising films for distribution to local movie theatres. They also did a series of animated cartoon sketches called Laughograms, and the pilot film for a series of seven-minute fairy tales that combined both live action and animation Alice in Cartoonland. A New York film distributor cheated the young producers and Disney was forced to file for bankruptcy in 1923. Now I've highlighted that in red, which tells me when I when I research these characters and, and obviously as I go on with my podcast and episodes, 
I'm always looking for those moments where these people are at their lowest and something happens then that springs them to become famous, become successful. And this is just me talking and it's unclear to the, at this point anyway. But for me, when this happens, this is a sure sign that these people are selling their souls. You'll maybe liken it to like maybe a film star or a musician, you know, these people that have come from nothing and you often like I'll often say to myself, there's no real talent there, but they're they they've been taken, they've been given some gimmicks and um they've reached a height of success that you would think most people could get to because these people aren't that special. So I'm always looking for that moment where they're bankrupt or they're they're you know, they're basically on the edge of despair and there's you know something pulls them up and gives them you know gives them some inspiration so that that's why i believe that there's something that's happened in this time here and we might get to it later on in the show he moved to california to pursue a career as a cinematographer but the surprise success of the first alice film compelled disney and his brother roy a lifelong business partner to reopen the shop in hollywood now his brother Roy, I, I was intrigued when I heard that this guy had a brother. Walt Disney had a brother named Roy and he was a huge part of Walt Disney. And in fact, some say it was actually Roy that was more the, the business hand. He was the, the guy that did all the deals, the financial stuff. And Walt was more like the creative one, the one with the ideas. But uh, it's strange that we never heard much of Roy. Uh, I certainly didn't know that he had a brother until I started researching him. So there's maybe a, a telltale sign as well. And I know we do get to that later on. With Roy as business manager, Disney resumed the Alice series, persuading iWorks to join him and assist him with the drawing of cartoons. They invented a character called Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, contracted for distribution of the films at $1,500 each and propitiously launched their small enterprise in 1927, just before the transition to sound in motion pictures. Disney and iWorks experimented with a new character, a cheerful, energetic, mischievous mouse called Mickey. They had planned two shorts called Plain Crazy and Gallopin' Gaucho that were to introduce Mickey Mouse when Jazz Singer, a motion picture, with the popular singer Al Jolson, brought the novelty of sound to the movies. Before this time, cartoons were just silent. A bit like, like Charlie Chaplin, there were silent cartoons uh, with maybe some background track, like um, piano music. Yeah. So this is the first time that they you know, use voices and things in cartoons. Uh, fully recognising the possibilities for sound in anime animated cartoon films, Disney quickly produced a third Mickey Mouse cartoon equipped with the voices and music entitled Steamboat Willie and cast aside the other two soundless cartoon films. When it appeared in 1928, Steamboat Willie was a sensation. The following year, Disney started a new series called Silly Symphonies with a picture entitled The Skeleton Dance. And this is the first part where you see some darkness uh, developing in Disney's work. And when I clicked on this video that you can find on YouTube, if you just type in uh, skeleton dance, um, it basically depicts, well, I'll read here, in which a skeleton rises from a graveyard 
and does a grotesque, clattering dance set to music based on classical films. Originally with a briskly syncopated, the film ensured popular acclaim for the series, but with cost mounting because of more complicated drawing and technical work, Disney's operation was continually in peril. So again, I'll go back to that. When I watch this, I'm, I'm imagining I've got a nephew that's two years old and one that's um, six. I think he's six. Um, and we are so desensitized to this stuff now um, that when I say this, I'm probably going to get a lot of people will be like, oh, come on, it's Disney, it's cartoons. But you imagine sitting a two-year-old or a one-year-old in front of a screen and here's skeletons rising from a grave with bats doing a creepy dance. And these these innocent children are just thinking about when they can get their next meal or, you know, they haven't got much of an imagination, but they're seeing these things that don't look like humans. And, and that's where I struggle because if I, I mean, my wife and I don't have any kids yet, but if we do, it's going to be where it's like we're going to have to have that conversation. And obviously we all feel that these Disney programs, including like your, your more famous ones like Snow White, uh, there's some dark scenes in that, Peter Pan, and it didn't do much harm to us. That's what we will all say. That's that's going to be the 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 reply by most of you guys, and even myself to a certain extent. But it's it's the subliminary messaging, the stuff that our subconscious takes in, that I believe Walt Disney and whoever else was involved know about, and we just don't really think about um the subconscious mind is a really interesting thing and i'd love to have a psychologist on a show one time to discuss this stuff because this is it, it's it's a battle for me because i'm seeing like this week i know i'm going a little bit off topic but not really where the cancel culture in america has recently attacked a ride in disneyland that depicts snow white being kissed by the prince and they're saying that the, the it was a non-consensual kiss. So it's a bit rapey, which 90% of the time I usually come out on the uh, on the attack against these people and saying, come on, leave it alone. You're just, you're creating a world where people will be easily offended. And when you remove things, it's like, it's going to get worse and worse. But then I looked into Disney and I'm seeing all this stuff and I'm like, there is way darker stuff in his cartoons that we say it hasn't affect us, affected us, sorry, but I believe it kind of has. Um, it's sexualizing children. It's it's doing a lot of dark, unspoken things that shape our world, shape our lives. And uh, I'll get to that later on again. So I'll, I'll continue reading. With the growing popularity of Mickey Mouse, Walt created a girlfriend for Mickey in Minnie, which she was attested to the public's taste for the fantasy of creatures with personality traits of human beings. Disney himself provided the voice for Mickey until 1947. This popularity led to the invention of another animal char other animal characters such as Donald Duck and the dogs Pluto and Goofy. In 1933, Disney produced a short, The Three Little Pigs, which arrived in the midst of the Great Depression and took the country by storm. Its treatment of the fairy tale 
of the little pig who works hard and builds a house of brick against the huffing and puffing of a threatening wolf suited the need for fortitude in the face of an economic disaster. And its song, Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf, was a happy taunting of adversity. It was in this period of economic hard times in the early 1930s that Disney fully endeared himself and his cartoons to audiences all over the world and his operation of began making money in spite of the depression. Disney had by that time gathered a staff of creative young people who were headed by iWorks. Colour was introduced in the Academy Award winning Silly Symphonies film Flowers and Trees 1932 while other animal characters came and went in films such as The Grasshopper and the Ants and The Tortoise and the Hare. Roy franchised tie-in sales with the cartoons of Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck, watches, dolls, shirts and tops and reaped more wealth from the company. Feature length cartoons. Walt Disney was never one to rest or stand still. He had a long thought he had long thought of producing feature-length animated films in addition to the shorts. In 1934, he began work on a version of the classic fairy tale Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, a project that required great organisation and coordination of studio talent and a task for which Disney possessed a unique capacity. While he actively engaged in all phases of creation in his, in his films, he functioned chiefly as coordinator and final decision maker rather than as designer and artist. Snow White was widely acclaimed by critics and audiences alike as an amusing and sensational romance. By animating subsequent substantially human figures in the characters of Snow White, the Prince and the Wicked Queen and by forming caricatures of human figures in the Seven Dwarfs, Disney departed from the scope and techniques of the shorts and thus proved animation's effectiveness as a vehicle for feature length stories. While Disney continued to do short films presenting the anthropomorphic characters and his little animals, he was henceforth to develop a wide variety of full length entertainment films such as Pinocchio 1940, Dumbo 1941 and Bambi 1942. Disney also produced a total unusual and exciting film, his multi-segmented and styled Fantasia 1940, in which cartoon figures and colour patterns were animated to the music of Igor Stravinsky, Paul Dukas, Pyotr Ilyich Tchaikovsky and others. In 1940, Disney moved his company into a new studio in Burbank, California, abandoning the old plant it had occupied in the early days of growth. Major Films and Television Productions A strike by Disney animators in 1941 was a major setback for the company. Many top animators resigned and it would be many years before the company produced animated features that lived up to the quality of its early 1940 classics. Disney's foray into films for the federal government during World War II helped the studio perfect methods of combining live action and animation. The studio's commercial films using the hybrid techniques include 
The Reluctant Dragon, 1941. Saludos Amigos, 1942. The Three Caballeros, 1945. Make Mine Music, 1946. And The Song of the South, 1946. The Disney Studio by that time was established as a big business enterprise uh, and began to produce a variety of entertainment films. One popular series called True Life Adventures featured nature-based motion pictures such as Seal Island, 1948, Beaver Valley, 1950, The Living Desert, 1953. The Disney Studio also began making full-length animation romances such as Cinderella, 1950, Alice in Wonderland, 1951, Peter Pan, 1953, and produced low-budget live-action films including The Absent-Minded Professor, 1961. The Disney Studio was also among the first to see potential of television as a popular entertainment medium and to produce programs directly for it. The Zorro and the Davy Crockett series were very popular and with children and weekly showcase known by several titles, titles including Walt Disney's World of Colour became a Sunday night fixture. The Mickey Mouse Club, a variety show featuring the cast of teenage performers known as the Mouseketeers, was also successful. The climax of Disney's career as a producer, however, came with this release in 1964 of the motion picture Mary Poppins, which won worldwide popularity. Now I'll dig it. I'll I'll go back there where it mentioned that the, there was a strike uh, in Disney, and a lot of the employees went on strike. And he delved into at that time. Obviously, World War Two was kicking off, and I've seen a few of these skits, some of these programs, cartoons that Disney was involved in making, where Donald Duck is you know he's wearing the swastika and he's. He's doing the, the Nazi salute and there's one where there are like five or six kids that look as if they're Iranian, you know, the blonde hair, blue eyed, and they're they're doing the, the Nazi salute over and over again. And this was propaganda that Disney delved into to control the minds of, you know, the, the allies, the British, the Americans to hate on the Nazis. Um, and I'm not I'm not saying either way it was right or wrong. I'm just saying that he delved into that that kind of he went down that path. And I don't think he was it was a good move because I think for a a long period of time, from the early forties to like it says nineteen sixty four when Mary Poppins kind of brought him back to mainstream and and you know popularity again. So there was a good period in there where Disney wasn't seen in the best of light. However, obviously timeless classics. The ones in the nineteen forties that are sold and remade over again, remastered, um, time and time again. So, you know the the, the financial goals were all met in the nineteen forties, and and he was able to do this. Um, yeah. So Disneyland. In the early nineteen fifties, Disney had an initiated plans for a huge amusement park to be built near Los Angeles. When Disneyland opened in nineteen fifty five, much of Disney's disposition toward nostalgic sentiment and fantasy was evident in its design and construction. It soon became a mecca for tourists for, from around the world. A second Disney park, Walt Disney World, near Orlando, Florida, which was under construction at the time of his death, opened in 1971. His legacy. 
Disney's imagination and energy was his whimsical humour and his gift for being attuned to the vagaries and popular taste inspired him to develop well-loved amusements for children of all ages throughout the world. Although some criticised his frequently saccharine or saccharine, now I looked up this word, saccharine or saccharine, I don't know how to say it, is it's when someone is like too pleasant that you kind of feel that they're being fake, always smiling, always being pleasant. And when you walk away, you're like, that was so fake. So uh, I've heard that a few times. I've heard he was also a manic depressive. Um, I'll get into a bit about his character later on. Um, but his frequently saccharine subject matter and accused him of creating a virtual stylistic monopoly in American animation that discouraged experimentation. There is no denying his path-breaking accomplishments, his achievement as a creator of entertainment for an almost unlimited public, and as a highly ingenuous merchandiser of his wares can rightly be compared to the most successful industrialists in history. So that's it. That's his, that's all the reading done. Hopefully, um, I think I did well there. I did better than uh, the Titanic. I know that, uh, but it's a lot to get through, and I felt that for this portion, I needed to read a lot because when I do these episodes, I want to look into the conspiratorial stuff. You know, the stuff that we don't necessarily get told about. Um, there's some darkness. There's some dodgy dealing. Some nefariousness. So anyway. Disney by numbers. I like to do these things. I like to get some quotes. I like to get some numbers because it, it kind of, our brains take it in a bit more, you know, when you get these figures and you realise that how, you know, how much, how vastly popular these people were, the money that they were dealing with. So Disney by numbers, 365 days Disney World is open. 47,000 visitors are a, a day on average. 70,000 cast members, 100,000 visitors capacity at the Magic Kingdom, $5 million the amount Walt paid for the land that would become Disney World. And this is my favourite one, $566 million is what Walt Disney claims, claims being the key word, it pays in taxes annually. I don't believe it. So guys, that was the official narrative. Now I'm going to give you the Baram U narrative, stuff that I have found that we are not necessarily told about. So what kind of a man was Walt? Well, I've seen some people that worked with him uh, give a little, you know, talk about what it was like to work for him. And something that stuck with me was, uh, and I, and I kind of respect this in a man because I've worked, you know, I'm a, I'm a welder, I've worked in the manufacturing industry pretty much since I was 15, 16 years old and you get different types of bosses but the ones that alert you of their presence before they're coming, you know, most of these bosses they'll stay in their office 90% of the time but when they're coming down through the workshop and everyone's got to have their glasses on and they're, you know, make sure that they're all being safe and they alert you before they come. Um, I always respect that because they don't want to catch you doing anything wrong because then they've got to make a, a, a move. They've got to maybe discipline you. So Walt Disney liked to cough in hallways to let people know of his presence. Also, it was hard to get a compliment out of Walt, I hear. 
and uh, at the very best you would maybe get a that'll work so if you got a that'll work uh, you were you know you were happy uh, money wasn't an issue with Walt a lot of these uh, high budget films he would just say look get it done doesn't matter just get it done he was he was a perfectionist he wanted all these uh, cartoons and his work to be run smoothly and his brother Roy I'm sure that's probably why the brother Roy was more of the financial he didn't have that kind of mind he was more a creative mind and, and I think that's why they probably worked well two brothers that had different qualities and worked well together we do know however Walt Disney was a smoker and a drinker and that's what ultimately got him in the end the smoking Um it was a shame it was sad that he was only 60 how old was he when he when he died he was so he was 65 when he died which isn't that old I mean and and maybe in those days it was I don't know the, the average age of humans in those days but uh, it was the 1960s that he died so it's not that too long ago to be honest so but it was the, the smoking more more that got him uh, in the end and uh, we do know that he quit speaking to his brother Roy for months now that's where again I, I know I mentioned at the start where I saw that he was bankrupt him and Roy were bankrupt at one point and then they'd done a deal with ABC who we know a lot about now in their, uh, you know, they, they own quite a lot now. Um, Spotify being the more one that's been in the headlines recently with Joe Rogan going to Spotify. Um, but that, that again, was quite telling that him and his brother had fallouts. And, and I mean, going into business with your brother, your family member, I can imagine there would be fallouts. I didn't look too much into it, but that was mentioned. Now, here's where it gets uh, kind of good and juicy for me anyway. Walt Disney was a member of Demolay. Now Demolay, I had to look into because I'm definitely going to do episodes on secret societies and cults, I believe. Uh, and I don't want to stray too far up topic because like I said, I am going to do episodes on these groups, i.e. the Freemasons, Skull and Bones, Demolay. Demolay was a new one that I only found out about because of Walt Disney. But as as I looked into it, uh, it's it's sure to see that Demolay is basically the child version of Freemasonry and it actually leads into being a Freemason. So it's an organisation for 12 to 21 year old boys only, founded in 1918. Teaches boys to become better men, lessons and respect for parents, religion and cleanliness, love and respect of country. There are Demolay camps. It is a ritual based organisation. There is a set way to do things in Demolay. It is run by the youth and overseen by adults who are Freemasons, which then leads to the boys becoming Freemasons themselves. So I got this passage from Urban Urban Dictionary um, about the order of Demolay, a youth organization that makes good men better. It's a form of Masonic youth. It teaches them to respect and gives other gives them leadership qualities. It has different offices and it is a democracy. You elect the master councillor for the term, but there is a line you must go through first. Many well-known people that succeed in life were in Demolay. Some people may think that Demolay is a cult. Well, by exact definition, it somewhat is, but so is church. So watch what you say. You could be a hypocrite. See, do you, see, see how they do it. Basically, if you accuse them of being a cult, 
they're just going to turn around and say, well, do you go to church? You're a cult as well. See, Demolay is named after Jacques de Demolay, the last Knights Templar. He was tortured for seven years before he was burned at the stake. The Catholics wanted to know where the treasure was at, but he never told them. He never even gave them another name of a fellow Knight Templar. Demolay teaches guys to stay true to their obligations, and anyone who thinks that they sacrifice things and only recruit to get a quota, they are wrong. Demolay's recruit members to share Demolay and its teachings. Demolay is an international group, and every chapter has an elected sweetheart court which contains a sweetheart. Princesses and duchesses, Demolay is a very good thing for a young man to experience. And a way that you would say it is that responsible man there was a Demolay. Well, take that from what you will. This is why, and when you get into this stuff that I've been into, you soon uncover that a lot of these people in high places, a lot of these people running our countries on our level, like the Boris Johnsons, the Donald Trumps, they were all at one time in their life Demolay or Freemasons or Skull and Bones, which basically, and it says it there, it, it teaches them basically to keep a secret. They mentioned where it stemmed from, and uh, the guy Jacques de Molay, who never told, never gave up any names. He, he, you know, he held his truth to his heart. He never gave it up, and that's what he's teaching these men. Secret societies keep secrets from, you know. And, and on our level, I I know people who are who are Freemason, Freemason, sorry. And on our level, it's just secret handshakes. It's, you know. A lot of the people I work with that are in, you know, in high jobs, you know, bosses. I served my time as a welder with a company and it was three brothers and the, the, they were the workers and the dad and the mum were in the office and they were uh, Freemasons. And I went to the Masonic Lodge with them, played pool, had a few beers. And they, I used to ask questions. I was only 16, 17 at this time, obviously 18 when I was having a few beers, but um, I was asking them questions and one story that stuck with me was one of the, the brothers who I really got on with was saying that he got caught speeding and a policeman came to the window, knocked on the window. He wound down the window and he said that he put out his hand, gave a little secret handshake and the police officer walked off. Now take from that what you will if you want to believe that or not. Um, I tend to believe it because I know that there are certain, you know, like your Donald Trumps and that and, and that's how they get there. They look after each other in work. You know, if a company's struggling, they'll be looked out for. And that is that is the only privilege I believe we have in our world. All this stuff about white privilege, it's just a, it's a, it's a smokescreen. You'll never see any agenda against secret cults and organisations like these, which is a shame because if there is an, a, a privilege, it's definitely with them. Now, when I, when I looked into Disney, one of the first things you'll see a lot if you type into YouTube Disney and conspiracies surrounding it is, was Disney a Nazi? Um, what I mentioned earlier to you guys was when he, when he delved into the propaganda stuff to help with the war efforts, it was obvious that he wasn't a Nazi when he was basically programming our minds to hate Nazis. Um, you'll see that from the images I'm showing you on your screens and if you look up some of these cartoons uh, it's clear to see that there was a, an agenda against nazis but what i have uncovered and is there for you to see is is 
the reason why this theory is out there is because he depicted in the uh, Three Pigs cartoon the wolf as a Jew. Um, I'll show you the picture now on your screens where you can clearly see the traits of a Jewish person with the... Uh, no, this is quote, this is not me talking, the big nose, you know, the beard. And um, that I think that, along with his close fr uh, friendship with Werner van Braun, who we definitely will be talking about in future episodes, uh, was a Nazi scientist that was taken over to America to f uh, to start NASA. Um, yes, guys, the this is why I laugh because all these liberals and leftists that hate Nazis and things, yet they're walking around wearing NASA t-shirts, which was funded and started by the Nazis. And uh, it's just it's so it's cognitive dissonance, and we have plenty of that on on display. But Walt Disney did have a, a close relationship with Werner von Braun who actually had a big part of Disneyland. Uh, Disneyland opened in 1955 and he had a Tomorrowland exhibit which shows the public a glimpse of a world where man conquers space. The promotion of Tomorrowland is headed by none other than Werner van Braun. Um, he also, Disney flew to uh, Germany in 1935 to discuss the distribution of his films with the Third Reich and Hitler. He then travelled on to Italy with uh, talks with Mussolini for the same stuff. So, I mean, but, but you've got to remember as well, Hitler was on the cover of Time magazine before World War II broke out. Um, so at that time, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't always hatred for Nazi Germany at that time. Um, so I'm not defending him. I'm just saying that's what, what's out there for you guys to go and look up. I don't have an opinion on that as such. But um, I, I don't believe the guy was anti-Semitic. If he was, it was it was just basically because when you attack all races, all religions, you kind of hide from your true beliefs. So he was probably just giving a bit to everyone. Right, here's probably where the bulk of my work will go into. I've got a lot of images to show you guys. So if you're, if you're just listening, it's a shame because these images are, are shocking, to say the least. Um, and, and I know I'm going to get a lot of pushback, and I hope I do. Because a lot of this stuff, you you could say it was reaching. You know, they're they're trying to look for things in in these images, but I just found them so so shocking. And when you when you, the way I would try to convince someone that they're not just reaching is the more obvious and blatant ones. You have to think that there was an actual concerted, conscious conversation. To put these into our Disney programs and cartoons, uh, on purpose, you know, You've, that's why I think a lot of people need to to step back and think there are no accidents, you know, in a film. Um, the names of certain characters, and I'm not saying them all, there is a an actual conversation that is had by these film directors, producers to what will we name this character and why, you know, it's the why that we always forget about. So for me, when you when you look at these um, images on our screens where sex sex shows up a lot in um, Lion King when um, Simba collapses to the ground and the puff of dust goes up into the sky, clearly you see the word sex. The word sex is shown in, in Lion King oh, four or five times. Um, it's also shown in Tangled, a more recent Disney production in the in the girl's hair on the cover it, it clearly reads out the word sex 
there are what only what I can describe is like porn um in the the two mice I forget their name the rescuers down under where they are um flying through the air on the on the albatross's back and if you freeze frame it you'll see a naked lady in the window um there's tons of it and I'll, I'm hopefully I'm showing you these on the screen um it's sick and there's a lot of other things a lot of things that they're saying that kind of would would influence our minds you know i would say even down to like a lot of these disney films and cartoons start off with a parent being killed or a parentless child um bambi the parent dies lion king the parent dies and i know i've read a, f a few theories about that where Disney's mum died of uh, smoke inhalation and he was maybe trying t to tell his story in his cartoons but that's wrong keep that aside you know it, it for me it gives our kids some trauma some pain trauma and again we don't understand the full effects of it that's why I'd love to get a psychologist on to really explain what this is doing to our minds so a few of these images that I've got screenshotted here that I'm going to look through and I'll show up on my screen for you guys to see also is Peter Pan when he's dancing in his shadow you can clearly see a, a phallic symbol there uh, in Monsters Inc in one of the, for the freeze frames when it zooms into one of the, the big blue monster on the left hand side of the door there's a crayon drawing which depicts what I can only say is uh, two people having intercourse Zazu when he's flying in the Lion King if you freeze frame it there there are two breasts uh, there, there's no excuse for that one to be honest because look at those mountains and what else do we have we have sex obviously numerous times not only in the Lion King this one is probably more, one of the more you know definite ones because other people have uh, reacted to it and spoken about it and Disney has actually made a remastered version where they've taken this out so in The Little Mermaid when they're getting married the priest or you know Catholic priest that's taking the, the ceremony has a little wee chub and uh, in the newer versions the chub has been removed uh the word sex again in beauty and the beast when the the beast is hurt and down and injured uh what else have we got we've got obviously in older episodes we've got the uh, smoking being pushed is, uh, is that steamboat willie or is that an early version of mickey i do not know but he's smoking we've got goofy smoking and and again the, the, what we have to say because I know I'm going to get a lot of fight, a pushback from people about my opinion on these but it's like when you take a kid 3, 4, 5 years old who is innocent and pure and you're depicting their heroes like Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck smoking it's only going to make them you've got to think what kids are like nowadays when they see someone that they love do you know smoke or do something they're going to go and do it, whether it's in the house or when they go out to play with their friends, you know. And to me, 
we are better than that why what the decadence is is what we have on our tv screens now and it's not only affecting adults it's they're going for our kids as well and i'm not saying this is where i struggle because my wife and i as i said we don't have kids but if we do i don't feel strong enough that i would not allow my kid to not watch disney like i'm not going to be that bad but I am going to make a concerted effort to have a discussion with my kids about this stuff to, to you know, so that they don't delve into the, the this stuff. It's just, I don't, I don't even know what to call it. It's decadence, as I say, it's, it's lowering the morality of, of human beings. And when you push smoking and drinking and gambling on our kids and then later on in life, they become addicts. I believe this has a bigger part to play than we will agree to, well, that we will admit. And uh, that's why I said I'd, l I'd love to have a psychologist on to discuss what that is doing to our subconsciousness. And, and you know, we all talk about having demons in our closet and, and in our minds and battling with our thoughts. That could be a contributing factor. Uh, again, we have the caterpillar smoking a a shisha pipe um, what else do we have here there's an image here with uh, I think it's Daffy Duck's girlfriend I can't remember her name with a gun pointed to her head a bottle of toxic whatever and a dagger on our table and a noose and a bomb it's like what are we doing to our kids here Um we have a bit of racism in our Disney programs as well um, that I'll touch on with, uh, I don't actually know which one this is from, but it depicts uh, two centaurs and one of them is black and is seen to be grooming the shoe of the, the white centaur. So is there a reference to slavery there? The uh, aristocrats. Uh, the Siamese cat playing the piano with chopsticks and sounding very Asian-like. And what else? Yeah, so for the, for the decadence and the and the subliminally imaging, and uh, you know the the no parents or a parent dying in the in the Disney, it's it's all. It turns me off. It, it makes me realize there was some dark rooted propaganda being pushed on our minds and uh, you have your own opinion on that if you want I tend to believe it because I see it still to this day I see it in our, our program so I know that it's a, a conscious effort to control our minds and control the agenda so that's that part of the uh, Walt Disney. Something else I wanted to touch on is um, the MK Ultra stuff. Now I'll definitely do an episode on MK Ultra alone, but there is signs of it throughout Disney's legacy, where uh, the Disney Club, in likes of uh, Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, Hannah Montana, or Miley Cyrus, where I believe these people have been MK Ultra, which was a real government. Uh, experiment in the 1950s there's a great documentary called trip to edgewood which uh, tells us that the government experimented on military people and and whoever else i would imagine prisoners or whatever uh, were given lethal doses of lsd to wipe their memories wipe their minds 
and then reprogram their minds and that's why we get double uh, double you know uh, dual character type people like Hannah Montana Miley Cyrus alternative personalities and we have symbols of that throughout Disney as well with the uh, the blue the blue bird uh, because that was a segment of MKUltra called Blue Bird which uh, if I get it up here the Blue Bird MKUltra was deliberate creation of multiple personality by psychi psychiatrists by Colin A. Ross MD Project MKUltra Blue Bird Artichoke 1953 CIA description electronics and electric sh electric shock targeting short range frequency vhf hf all the boring stuff but the purpose was programming behavior creation of cyborg mentalities effects narco narcoleptic trance states programming by suggestion functional basis electronic dissolution of memory edom now the blue bird is like the what the, the project name was called and we see the bluebird throughout a few Disney programs, a lot in Snow White, where she's singing to it. Uh, Cinderella, where the bluebirds come in the window and wake up Cinderella. Uh, Little Mermaid, there's a, there's a ton of them that... Uh, I think that's Little Mermaid. I haven't actually seen that Little Mermaid. I've seen the other one. Um, Twitter, the bluebird there, MKUltra. And I've often said that in some of my podcasts where when you go to Twitter and you have the trending, it's basically a form of MKUltra because when you go to the trending, there's all these talking points and you will only be, the 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 agenda that they want to be pushed on that topic will be pushed to the front. It'll have the most likes, it'll have blue check marks, celebrities pushing that agenda. So it's, it's a form of controlling what you believe about it because most people don't have the time or can be bothered to look into it for themselves you know, get both sides to every story and then have their own opinion. They'll just go with the, the consensus, the general consensus opinion. So they and they and they know that. They know that. Uh, so we've got like I said, Britney Spears, she's got a tattoo of a blue bird on her neck. And uh yeah, so we'll definitely be doing an episode on MK Ultra, but I just wanted to show you that Disney was showing us, you know, hidden in plain sight, showing us. One of the, the uh, conspiracy theories surrounding Disney that I think most people know about, my wife certainly did when I mentioned it to her, I didn't, but it seems as if it's a, it's a mainstream theory that uh, Disney was frozen when he died and he is actually being held underneath the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disneyland and he will be reawoken when, uh, I don't know when, but he will be reawoken uh, some people say it's just his brain, his mind, his head's been uh, decapitated from his body and it's just his head and brain that's being frozen. Uh, when we maybe turn into, you know, transhumanism and turn into like the Terminator and things, uh, I didn't go down that route, didn't really interest me that much. I think I like, you know, showing you guys the, the propaganda in his cartoons, the MKUltra, the subliminally messaging uh, images, sorry. And what that is doing to our kids and in later life. I also uncovered some allegations of rape and homosexuality uh, in with Walt Disney in regarding um, one of the child actors who played roles in a few of Walt Disney's cartoons. He was more famously the voice of Peter Pan. 
an actor called Bobby Driscoll, who later turned to drugs and spent some time in jail and died of the the drugs. Further, uh, Hollywood Babylon strikes again. Further alleges that Disney owned a Los Angeles apartment in order to meet up with various rent boys, including a man named Ralph Ferguson, who has gone on the record stating that he received $100 for sex with Disney. And here is a real eyebrow raiser. Author Porter also writes that Disney fell in love with young star Bobby Driscoll of Song of the South and who also voiced Peter Pan, which might be another reason the Walt Disney Company wants you to forget Song of the South ever existed. So there are a few claims of that going on with Walt Disney, which is uh, it's a common thing with uh, what I talked about earlier with these secret societies and things and we'll get into that when I do a podcast on those later on down the line that these stories of bisexual homosexual acts rape pedophilia come up a lot um, which is sad and I battle with my own thoughts on it a lot where I think it's probably some of it could just be to demonise that person and to you know affect their reputation as a person or is it something that you know it's it's consistently being mentioned surrounding our leaders and our politicians so what's the common occurrence there like is it is it just propaganda or is it you know is there a a deep belief system that is in uh, hidden and secretive amongst these people which i mentioned in the isaac copy episode that it could be a bribery ring could be a blackmail ring and this is one way to get blackmail on them is by having them commit these acts and record it or get some proof and you know hold them to it when when these people come out and say that they've been raped or or um you know had some homosexual sexual activity with uh, a famous person you know they're holding a gun to their head and they can basically control them after that so Walt Disney had his fair share of those stories come out. So I want to bring to your attention a few of these Walt Disney classics such as Pinocchio, uh, Peter Pan, Monsters Inc and BFG I believe it was BFG Disney. I should have probably looked that up before but anyway I'm going to try and break these down for you in my own words. Um, what I believe the messaging behind these films and what they are teaching our kids um subconsciously or maybe consciously if if your kids are seeing these images for the first time they might have you know a bad reaction to them and i'm sure there are stories out there of kids being freaked out by some of the imaging that we're seeing you know um Snow White certainly comes to mind. Uh, I remember as a kid, I watching it, and the in the scene with the when she turns into the witch was quite scary, you know, for a kid. And you can laugh all you want now. We're adults now, and it's it's funny now. But when an innocent kid sees this for the first time, of a, a decent looking human being drinking a a potion and turning into an old woman, all wrinkly and warty and scary looking and black hooded creature. 
there's trauma involved there's certainly trauma involved and uh, so what I'm going to do for you I'm going to break down Pinocchio which we're all familiar with Epstein Epstein Island that came out last year the documentary on Netflix that I mentioned in the Isaac Carpi episode I done was common knowledge amongst the conspiracy theorist community I was definitely talking about it with my mates and you, we were all clued up to it but all the people that weren't were all telling us that we were crazy for believing in some island that all these celebrities go to to hang out and rape young kids and then they'd done a documentary, a poorly done documentary um, but basically when you think about Pinocchio and what it's teaching our kids is like to, to become naughty you know he he unfortunately took the advice of two you know what was that a fox and a it was a I don't know what the other animal was but Pinocchio was misled he ended up on a on a, on a boat and it was all full of kids drinking beer smoking cigars turning into donkeys making an ass out of themselves and it had it reeks of that type of Epstein Island story where you know kids are and then, and then when they when they do these things and it, and it always ends in a happy ending is that giving our kids the subconscious mind of oh i can do that i can do this bad thing because in the end i'll have a happy ending um the 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 monsters inc which unfortunately i haven't watched and i should have really for this episode because i know it's probably one of the main conspiracy theories surrounding disney where basically these monsters come out and scare kids and the the theory of adrenochrome which i think i have touched on that these elites are drinking adrenalized blood to keep young or we have references in films such as uh, fear and Lo- fear and loathing in las vegas i think it's called where they openly talk about adrenochrome and it being the ultimate high which is basically blood that is you know you take a kid and you scare it and and i know there's sicker things out there We've heard about Frazzled video with uh, Hillary Clinton and Uma Abedin. Um, I, I'm, I'm not saying I believe in that, but I know the, the, the theory about them tying a young six-year-old kid down to a table and, and torturing the kid to get its blood uh, adrenalized and then drinking it. Dark, dark stuff. And I'm sorry if you're hearing that for the first time and it's maybe not for you. Certainly not for me either, but... I looked into it a little and when I see Disney producing cartoons and films that kind of basically are, are going along that path, it makes you wonder. Um, BFG again, an adult, a, a bigger person comes along and snatches a kid, takes it away to a, to a place where adults eat kids. That's basically what it, what it was depicting. And... Uh, the trauma so it's all back to the trauma i'd love like i said i've mentioned it before but if there's any psycho- psychologists out there hearing this please feel free to reach out to me and i'll get you on and we'll discuss this in in further depth because i'm certainly no expert on psychology and what it can do to our mind um other than you know when you've got that that voice at the back of your mind telling you you can do the your, your subconscious your jimmy cricket um some of the stuff we've seen on our TVs and film and programs does definitely sway our minds to act out or do that, you know, go forward with it. So I believe Disney has a lot to say on his part in that. Now this is 
massive here. This kind of, I think people need to get this through their heads as well. When, when often I tell people uh, about agendas and, and that you get the same question on most of these conspiracy theories that I'm into is there's too many people for it to be a conspiracy. You know, everyone would have to be lying. But when, when you look into the, the fact that the Clintons deregulated the media in, I think it was the late 90s, they allowed big corporations such as the Big Six, uh, General Electric, Time Warner, Walt Disney, Viacom, News Corp and CBS. They own every media platform there is, everyone. And uh, that's why when, when, when you get a news story or MTV or something like any channel is pushing an agenda. It's all been passed through these big six. They all have a say in what is being put out there. Um, so it's not just everyone, you know, you wouldn't get away with saying things if, if you weren't allowed, you know, it's not, it's not capital capitalism. And that's why I know, I know there's a big push a lot with liberals and a lot of the youth today about capitalism being evil and things, but we don't really have capitalism. We have capitalism for the big corporations, but not for us. And this is kind of showing us like the 2009 revenues, 157 billion for GE. Walt Disney 2009 revenues, 36.1 billion. And that's only going to go through through the roof more recent times. Um, the paid note says here, GE 157 billion paid no taxes 2010 so you've got to remember that it's not everyone that's lying it's six media companies and that's not much you know when you've got the ceos and the directors that are all controlled pushing out agendas and and sometimes you do get an ounce of oh they're showing us the truth there but it's just so that they can demonize it you know they'll show us it You'll get people jumping on board and then the leader of that movement or whatever will be demonized in a certain way and it will be, you know, the end of that. So, yeah, I, I think it, we need to look into that a bit further. I'll maybe do an episode on, you know, the, the power structure, the wealth and um, which companies own this, but definitely the big six media, GE, Time Warner, Walt Disney, Viacom, News Corp and CBS. So to conclude what I've been trying to say, it's it's hard to put into words and that is why, I, like I, I've said it a few times during the episode, I'd love to get a psychologist on, someone that knows how the, the mind works. It's always fascinated me, uh, like how we have dreams about things. Like I've, I've had dreams before where I've saw someone that I haven't seen in years and it's just been maybe I've passed them in the street or drove past them in the car and we've gave each other a wave and I've then had a dream about them that night. And it, it's always, you know, it's intriguing to me because I'd love to know how the, the mind works, our subconscious. You know, we have, uh, we see things throughout our day that we don't acknowledge, you know, properly, but our subconscious takes in and they're, you know, our subconscious is always working and it's creating a story or a, a different reality or whatever. We, I don't know. And that's why. I believe, you know, with everything I've taught you tonight about Walt Disney, first and foremost, the Demole connection, the, the Freemasonry connection, says it all for me. Uh, first and foremost, the, if you're a member of Freemasonry, you're looking after 
you know, the agenda. And we'll, we'll get, I'll do an episode on these cults further down the line. But I believe that Walt Disney wasn't a, a pure, good-hearted man 100%. You know, I believe he knew what these cartoons and these feature-length films were doing to kids, children. Um, and I'm not, like like I've said as well, I'm not advocating that you stop your children from watching these films. Um, all I'm saying is that I believe they do have an effect on our lives. Uh, to to what extent? Put a percent on that? Maybe, you know, two, three. F- I would no. I'd say more than that. I'd say a good five, ten percent is subconscious, subliminal uh, messaging. Um, even more actually, because the more I think about it. When me and my wife, we take a wander into town and, you know, we watched that film They Live the other week and uh, it's that cheesy, uh, I think it was done in the 80s or 90s with Randy Piper, the wrestler, where he finds a pair of shades and when when he puts them on, he sees everything for what it truly is, you know, so it's all these signs in, in the town centre and what they're saying is basically obey or by me or you know it's it's like we are slaves to um you know consumerism is a is a you know a huge thing where we all want the latest iphone basically they do the same thing but we want it because it's the newest thing and uh you know with walt disney some of the morals and the stories aren't truly wholesome um and i'm not siding with the cancel culture i don't believe we should be cancelling these things. I just believe we should be better people and better parents first and foremost. They are targeting our kids uh, even more so right now. And um, you know what you, you you should know what I'm alluding to. Um, and and I will be talking a bit like that in code when talking about what's going on in our world right now because I've seen firsthand that that can have a you know an impact on. Well, I want to keep this podcast going, so I'm not going to be talking about things that I know that I'll be taken down for. So, um, just just look into it. Just I've I've always said, you know, that's why I use my 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 ending quote is always turn off your TV and enjoy the rest of your week or enjoy your weekend, whatever, because I really worry about the the state of humanity now. Um, again, I'll talk about what's going on in the world just now, but in code, um. Where there are people probably sat in their houses right now that have not left their homes for a year, a year and a half through fear. It, they turn on their TV and they believe that the world outside is dangerous or, you know, in some countries they believe the world's on fire. You know, it's like they're really doing damaging impact to their their um, personalities, their, their mindsets and... Uh, I believe Walt Disney and these cartoons are, you know, a certain degree nefarious. They're not. They're not uh, wholesome and pure and good and happy, and all that stuff. You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. So, guys, I hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, I, I, like, I, I want to do a more upbeat one next time because when I talk about these more serious ones. You know, it's hard to talk about this stuff because I know people are going to be pushed back and, and 
it's dark, it's deep, and it's impactful, you know, to our lives. And a lot of people don't want to have those conversations, and I respect that as well. You know, I, I put out a podcast, and it's up to you to click on it. Uh, I'm not forcing it down your throats unless you want to have that conversation. Um, but you know, it's good to mix it up. So next episode, I'll try do something a bit more lighthearted. Um, because it's not good to get doomed and gloomed and, you know, I'm just talking about all these people that are still in their houses after a year and uh, I don't want I don't want you guys to, to feel like that with the information that I'm bringing to you. So guys, I hope you've enjoyed this. If you have, like it, share it, um, send it to your friends. I'm on Instagram as ba underscore ram underscore you underscore pod. Um, I'm on YouTube, although I've had couple of videos removed which i'll discuss with you uh, after this episode um and i'm on every bit shoots the only other place you can see the video version and i always tell my listeners check out the video version because it's not just about my pretty face i'm actually you know showing you guys on the screen some of these images uh, that you can see for yourselves i'm not just making this stuff up and um, so it's really a, a good uh, way to take in this information is through the visuals uh, otherwise audio version is just everywhere else um, I did release uh, the the episode I'd done two weeks ago with Whatcast, that's now up go and check that out uh, it's been removed from YouTube and uh, I always expected that, I, I see YouTube as a platform that if my videos stay on it, it's a bonus, if not well, so what, it's elsewhere Um so guys, like I always say, turn off your TV and enjoy the rest of your week. Bye guys.